welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. I hope everybody is doing well, and thank you so much for listening and making a commitment to learning. I am one of your hosts. I am Jordan Porter, joined by the amazing Yvonne Brandenburg. Hey, go ahead. Hey. <laughs> well, we made it through January. <laughs> we did. I know. It's actually February of 2024. Holy yeah, it was a rough January for me, I think. <laughs> like A lot happened. <laughs> Yeah, you yeah, you've been crazy busy with it not looking like it's going to get less crazy busy anytime soon. No, I don't think it will, but at least at least medically like I feel like I'm on the upswing, so like hopefully that doesn't hold me back anymore. Uh okay. I'm getting more used to the fact that my husband's not home and in a different state and like Yeah, um, cuz when did he he left he left like, like January 6th. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. So that's three weeks of me making dinner for the entire family every night. And I was like, oh my, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like no. that's probably, that's probably the hardest part. Um, <laughs> so my amazing friend, like she came over and uh, like she brought her kids over and she was like, well, let me cook you dinner. And I was like, okay, cool. Because like I've eaten chicken every day this week and like because <laughs> like I'm I can cook like it's not like I'm bad at cooking I just don't like cooking and Matt's so good at it that like especially when it comes to things like steak like mm. I don't want to try my hand because like I like his steak is so good like he cooks it perfectly and like I just don't want to be disappointed <laughs> like I just oh yeah yeah I uh, I'm not a fan of cooking I don't know like I just I've gotten like I've gotten better with it and I think it's just it's it's so time consuming and I don't know it's messy and I don't know I don't know what it is I don't know what it is but then when I like actually make something I get excited about it I'm like oh look I actually made it that's what I was telling Matt and like I'm also not super proficient at it so it takes me like five times as long as anyone else I think that's the other thing too I'm just like I'm not good at this. <laughs> yeah. So it's See, like, like I, I always tell the kids that like, don't tell me you like, like, don't lie to me to like spare my feelings. Cause like the main thing is, is like, if you tell me you like it, I will make it again. Like a hundred percent because it's like, I just need <laughs> that. Like, don't yeah. <laughs> I need that like repertoire of like, you know, recipes that I can cook and like cook well that the kids like and stuff. And so they've gotten yeah. really good. They're like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So like recently this week, I changed up one of my recipes and I added broccoli to it, which like I knew that the kids weren't going to like, but I like it. Um, and so they're like, we like it better the normal way. And I was like, I'm sure you do. <laughs> but like, it's You're just like, okay, but do you like it or do you yeah. just like it better the other way? Like, yeah, yeah. So we did talk about that and like, it, it's, I'm getting better. I'm having, there's more recipes that I now feel confident about, but most of them are chicken. <laughs> so mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And there's yeah. only so many days a week I can eat chicken. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's kind of fun, like, especially like being up in Southern Oregon now, instead of in the Bay area, like there's a ton of farms around here. So we've actually started like trying mm-hmm. to get fresh food. <laughs> yeah. Although, um, sometimes, sometimes it does not make it. Sometimes it goes bad before I remember to use it, which is, which sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) So there's that, that whole thing too, but you know, it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, we have a little bit of housekeeping before we start our episode. So just a reminder, check out Love Huvet. So that's L-O-V-E-H-U-V-E-T, lovehuvet.com. She's got amazing stuff there, t-shirts, scrunchies surgical caps tons of stickers the stickers are probably my favorite along with yeah she and the wellness journal like i i keep forgetting that it's it's such a good it's such a great tool to use and like if you're especially like if you're it's such a a manager or a lead like that's a great gift to give your staff and your or your coworkers. you know like Either way, like it's, it's a really cool idea to, to use it because it, it just kind of helps you sometimes just deal with the stuff that you're dealing with in a clinic. Yeah, exactly. Out of you and not just simmering. But in a positive manner, like it is a very Mm -hmm. positive, like, it's not like a, tell me about the worst part of your day. Like it's a, it's a, like, tell me about the best parts of your day. So you can focus on that, which personally I've been trying to do anyway. I've been trying to like take note of all my wins for the day so that way all the like losses like don't hurt so bad and like don't drag me down and who knew like something so I mean lots of people knew but like I didn't (laughs) but like it's so simple to just be like you know like and it but the trick is not going like I may not have accomplished this today but I accomplished this like the main purpose of it is to be like I accomplished xyz today like I did yeah like not focus on the what you didn't do yeah we're so bad about that and I know uh, yeah yeah so anyways check out love huvet because she's got some really cool stuff and including the wellness journal which is yeah and don't forget to and it's really cute and don't forget to use our discount code imfvt10 so imfvt10 to get your 10 percent off yeah and then I, I have a shout out that is at this point, probably three months overdue. So <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, this is for Mandy and her boyfriend, Brandon. I had, I, I go on Facebook and I like talk to some of the different people on Facebook. So Mandy's actually one of the admins from Vet Tech Nation. And we were chatting about, I think, I can't remember what it was, but I was like asking permission for something. And, uh, and so we were talking and she said, oh my gosh, you know, my, my boyfriend and I listen to the show and, and she was like, it'd be really cool. And I was like, I could totally shout you guys out because how fun. So I can't believe Brandon actually listens to us first of all, because he's not in vet med and he likes listening to us which is weird and hilarious, but he's also probably getting to listen to what Mandy has to deal with. So good for you, Brandon, for, for listening. But anyways, 
just remember, Brandon, Mandy is a super cool girlfriend because uh, she got you a shout out from us, which apparently makes her cool. We're nerds, so it feels really weird saying that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we do. All right. So this week... I can't believe it's been four years and we haven't talked about Babesia, but I did double check. <laughs> and so, yeah, so weird. I mean, we've, we, I mean, we've talked about it like with different episodes, but yeah. we haven't focused on Babesia. So, which is, yeah, absolutely. So we'll be doing kind of like a run of some of these. Don't forget to, by the way, if you're interested in trying to like speak on the, the podcast or if you have an interesting case report, shoot me an email over to jordan at internalmedicineforpetparents.com. We'd love to chat with you guys and have uh, more vet techs on the podcast. So that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. About and that. you can always, you can always find her information on our website too. So if you go internalmedicineforvettechs.com. That's kind of our main hub to get to everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you you can find all of our stuff on there, the podcast, the membership, how to contact us, all that stuff. So because um, I will definitely... say, like, if you try to Facebook message me, it will take me a while to see it. <laughs> like, I won't. <laughs> that is not the yeah. best mode of communication for me. So yeah. email. I'm marginally better than you at that. Yeah. But we're still really bad at the Facebook thing. Sorry. So if you do send us things. We're not ignoring you. We're just probably not looking at our messages. It, it's a hundred percent the fact that I've just disconnected from social media so much that yeah. I now have to physically like tell myself to get on to check for things. So, Ugh, which is a good thing. It is. I now I'm trying to schedule one day a week that I get on and make sure that there's any IMFET stuff I need to take care of. But otherwise, I don't get on social media, which yeah. has been almost life changing. So, <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. So anyway, this week we're going to be talking about Babesia. Uh, So as we should know, it's a tick-borne infection due to the Babesia protozoa parasite, which leads to Babesiosis, which sounds like a Harry Potter spell. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like turning someone into a baby is what I get from that. Babesiosis. Nice. Okay. All right. I know that's all people are going to think about now is this, you know, tick-borne disease that turns things into babies. Is it like when guardian babesiosis? Yes. Well, then yeah. that wouldn't that be like a floating baby then? Yeah, but that'd be fun. <laughs> for some, I guess. Not for the baby, probably. I mean, well, floating versus hitting the ground. I'd be cool with floating. Well, yeah. Anyway, we're anyways, <laughs> you're welcome, guys. <laughs> we're digressing already. <laughs> Starting strong. So there are more than a hundred species of Babesia that exist, which is wild. For the what? sake of this episode, we're gonna try to focus on just the dog and cat one. <laughs> like because right. like it obviously like it affects a variety of different species, which we'll talk about in just a moment. Actually, we may as well just talk about it now, but it can affect most wild and domestic mammals. So cattle, horses, sheep, goats, swine, cats, and dogs are what we would expect to see. But again, for the sake of this episode, we're going to focus on dogs and cats. Although cats wow, are crazy. Cats are even barely in this. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but the Babesia species actually has been reported in dogs for most of the like geographic areas of the United, well, actually of the world, but like, again, 
United States for the sake of this episode. There's a variety of different species, but the ones that we're going to kind of focus on for the sake of dogs is going to be Babesia gibsoni. So that's going to be the one that we typically see in our canine mm. patients. And that one yeah. actually is like a much smaller parasite than some of the other Babesia species. So it's pretty interesting. But yeah, there's a variety of species in Europe, in the tropics and subtropic countries, and then even in South Africa and stuff like that. So it really is like all over the world. Um, but Babesia gibsoni is what we are going to be focusing on. So there are some risk factors, of course, that can like lead to the development of Babesia in a canine patient. So that's going to be like lack of appropriate or consistent tick prevention because it's transmitted by ticks and mm. even a history of dog bites or blood transfusions. So that definitely needs to be on the list mm. of like historical questions that we are asking these patients if they've ever you know, come in contact with another dog bite or a blood transfusion. Yeah. And we've mentioned it when we talked about blood transfusions, right? This is one of yes. those non-immunologic oh, delayed reaction. There you go. <laughs> I know Jordan's staring at me being like, you better know this. And it took my brain way too long to get there. Yeah. So, and, and that's any of those like infections, right? And, and that's why your blood donor should be tested and not just like, Susie, bring your dog into work today. We need transfusion. Yeah. Yeah. So transmission can definitely, or infection can occur from either tick bites or dog blood. So not necessarily like the dog bite. It's not like the saliva, but like if the dog's mouth is a little bloody because of the fight and then bites mm. another dog and then it's blood to blood contact, right? Like that's what is going to be kind of right. the issue there. There's several species of ticks that can transmit Babesia after, so typically they have to attach and feed for two to three days before the transmission can occur. So things like our brown dog ticks and our American dog ticks are going to be like the main ones that we think of here. And then transmission is thought to occur really through like blood directly. So like I said, again, from dog bites, from fighting, uh, even the, like there can even be infection from like bitch to puppy right so like oh yeah I remember when well. I remember when Pua had the puppies you were really worried about what all she was carrying yeah but I have since tested all those dogs and I'm shocked <laughs> that none of them right? tested positive for any of that <laughs> thoroughly <gasps> shocked how that yeah. happened I have no idea so this is a zoonotic disease though. So meaning it can affect humans. So this is something that we need to be aware of, right? This is like one of the diseases I don't have right now. Oh, knock on wood. <laughs> well, is uh, it zoonotic? Sorry, I'm going to pick, I, I I guess because it's from ticks, right? Yes, exactly. But is it like, can we get it from our dogs and cats? Probably not unless we have like Blood, blood contact, to blood contact right? probably yeah right but like mostly, it's not like they can like be in the room with them and get it it's no and it's yeah. not like they can okay. lick your face and you get it right it's like if anything it's going to be blood to blood contact or a tick bite and most likely a tick bite right right okay so because again like the likelihood of even like superficial blood to blood contact i feel like is still like eh, it's pretty slim <laughs> i hope so <laughs> I'm wishful thinking here. I mean, you know, maybe people are like, I'm your blood sister. <laughs> yeah, I don't generally do that with my dogs. But yeah, I don't either. 
I don't know. I mean, to each of their <laughs> times change. You never know. Maybe yeah, I'll change my mind. <laughs> there actually are specific breeds that do seem to have a like an increased susceptibility to infection of Babesia, right? So a lot of it tends to be our terrier group as well as greyhounds. I feel like poor greyhounds just get like kind of shafted Seriously. when it comes to like the like everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those poor well, dogs. and I think in the terriers, like I think of like pit bull terrier, right? Like exactly. Pit, well, that, are like if you think about children it, for this, a lot of terriers really are to like the breeds that are like out know, in the wild into, chasing yeah, stuff. Like, yeah, going into the woods and like <laughs> that's chasing. what they were designed to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised. Like when you start to think about it, yeah the you know amazing internal medicine thing about this disease <laughs> is like dogs can be subclinical so like literally no clinical signs or severe disease that results in death there is like mm. so they can be like what is it not a harbor but um like a carrier basically a carrier versus yeah. versus true like infection so we'll talk about clinical signs but obviously subclinical means no clinical signs and so like and then even then the, the disease can range from like mild. So like things like lethargy, mm. reduced appetite, just like general, like malaise, like just not feeling the greatest versus like yeah. severe infection, which can lead to like weakness related to anemia. So like severe anemia would be a clinical sign. Right. Yeah. And that can result in death, which is wildly unfortunate, of course, but yeah. Well, and, and like, we talked about this in like our immune episodes, right? Like Babesia is one of the things we test for because it can set off the immune system and cause like IMHA, ITP, because mm -hmm. um, it's well, a tick-borne disease. So. And the interesting thing about it too, is that it does wax and wane too. Like not all the time, yeah. but like it can. So like pets can have clinical signs of it and show signs of disease, but then they can go back to normal and then they'll, you know, wax and wane again. And so. Yeah. It's just like, if you think about it, because <clears throat> it is a parasite, right? It's like the parasite population waxes mm -hmm. and wanes. So like the immune system fights it off, right? And that's when they kind of feel like crap and it gets it down to a low number, but doesn't get rid of it completely. And then it pops up again. So like, that's, I mean, if you think about it, like <laughs> the body's trying to do what it's supposed to do. <laughs> it's exactly. just, it's a parasite and it yeah. so can be a pain. So typically those clinical signs though, for like the waxing and waning tend to be like often on fever, often on lethargy, often on reduced appetite. So very vague signs that you could mistake for pretty much anything. <laughs> this is those dogs that you're like, I'm just going to see how they're going to do tomorrow. Yes, <laughs> and then they're 100%. better and you're like, no, okay. I guess it was nothing. Yeah. A hundred percent. Exactly. And then even like in our acute cases, like, so pets obviously can fight this, right? So they can have acute babesiosis and that process generally only runs about a week or less. So it's like if they, Crazy. some dogs just tolerate it well and handle it well, and then you may never think of it again. Um, but severe signs really are related more to like red blood cell and platelet destruction. So those can mm. include like weakness. They can have petechiation and even jaundice because we know that the liver is going to start breaking right. down those dead red blood cells. A little less commonly, they can actually have uh, effects to the renal system. So they can develop kidney disease. They can develop uh, neurologic signs, respiratory signs. So they can have like Ooh. coughing, difficulty breathing. 
all those things can definitely occur as well. Crazy. And what happens when they actually start showing neurologic signs is that just tells you that the Babesia now has involved the CNS. And usually that's due to the parasite, like actually like adhering to the erythrocytes in the brain capillaries. But that often occurs with cattle and not dogs. <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> Dude, tell me about it. Yeah. I mean, I think I remember, and I'll have to ask my neuro friends, I think that's one of the things that they'll like check in there when they do a, a CNS tap mm -hmm. to make sure that there's not parasite infections in there. Not super common, but you know, that's a better disease than cancer. Yeah, exactly. So differential diagnosis, because things can like very greatly, right? Like it, we can literally have <laughs> any and all signs. All the no things. Signs. <laughs> so like your differential yeah. list at the beginning, like depending on what signs the pet is exhibiting is really going to vary, but it's probably going to be pretty lengthy. Yeah. And your differential diagnosis, I'm sure includes like all the tick-borne diseases, right? Like it's not, not just one. And then immune mediated destruction of cells like so it just it really depends is it you know is it a cancer if it's neurologic is it epilepsy is you know so it's just yeah it's a big differential so you have to look at the entire picture <laughs> yep exactly so naturally we're going to be doing a lot of testing to see what's going on right um <laughs> yep <laughs> but we're going to, I'm going to focus on the things that tend to be like abnormal. Of course, we're going to do like a chemistry and a UA and all that stuff just to rule out other things. But the things that are going to be, that we're going to be really looking at is going to be like our CBC. So we're going to be looking for things like anemia, thrombocytopenia. Obviously too, we can physically look for Babesia organisms within the red blood cells. Uh, if you are yeah. really, I've seen it once. I wish I would have seen it more. Yeah, I mean, not for the sake of the dog, I, but like, <laughs> right. Jeez, John. Yeah, no, I don't think I've ever seen it. But again, I lived in a place where tick-borne disease wasn't endemic. And I feel like you, I, I'm probably living in an endemic tick-borne disease area now, probably. <laughs> but I didn't. Yeah. I found a tick crawling on Moomoo yesterday. Oh yeah. I found a tick last year on my pant leg and I freaked out. I was like, ah, there's ticks. I need chickens. I I know we're, we're getting them soon, Jordan. <laughs> Chickens are great yeah. for reducing tick population in your area. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I actually don't think ours are horrible because we have a lot of turkeys and they eat yeah. a lot of stuff too. But the, but when you're looking in a blood smear, right, these, because they're intracellular, so they're going to be inside the red blood cell. And so this is one of the reasons why it's important to have clean uh, stain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and dry it appropriately and all that stuff because it can easily be like oh look at that artifact right if you're not paying attention and I think is this the pomegranate seed one yes I think I just like think of it as two teardrops oh right it's the double one yeah right yeah so it's it yeah it looks like two little teardrops in there and that's I mean it's pretty classic for it um but yeah Make sure you have clean stain so you can look at it. And this isn't one of the ones that falls off the outside of the cell if you put it in EDTA. This one sticks because it's inside the cell. Exactly. And uh, there's discussion too that like 
drawing from like capillaries rather than like vessels, right? It tends to be like a, it can improve the sensitivity. Again, more so for cattle rather than dogs, but still a good tip, right? Like, interesting <laughs> so a smaller blood vessel versus yeah. So from like the the big tip of one an ear, the tip of a tail, a toe, like things like that, and try to make a blood smear out of that. But that's kind that's of sick that's more so more so for like bovine infections rather than but I don't know it might be one of those things where it's like try it out on a dog like if you have a dog where you're like I don't know this dog's pretty classic for Babesia like and I can't find it on a peripheral smear like try it like a smaller vessel a capillary yeah. But there also is antibody testing so there's serology and PCR testing. And that is just helpful to confirm infection and identify the specific species of Babesia that's in like wreaking havoc. Of course, like that's going to be like what gives you like a solid answer, but that's not like the end of the blood work, right? Like we need, we do still need to do coagulation testing, imaging. So radiographs and ultrasound and other diagnostic tests just to, again, kind of see what all it, it's very highly dependent on what clinical signs the pet is exhibiting. So in dogs with like off and on disease or even like subclinical disease, a lot of times those test results can be like inconclusive. So like Yeah. sometimes it can take multiple tests to get a positive result. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it was one of the notes too says, talks about like postmortem exams, right? This might be one of those, it, you know, they're not doing well or they, you know, financially, like that's definitely a thing, especially if you've got like waxing waning, like it's a lot of testing sometimes that has to happen. So But you can do postmortem and they'll see it in like brain tissue, muscle tissue, kidney, spleen, blood vessels, and see it in those little tiny capillaries in the endothelium. They'll, that's where they'd like to hang out. Hopefully Mm -hmm. Yep. that's not how you guys get your answers because that sucks, but. I, I really, I, I, I really don't think I've seen Babesia a lot, like, <laughs> which is surprising No. considering where I live. <laughs> Yeah. my parents, oh my gosh, they had so many ticks last summer. Like before they got their chickens, you would literally just walk outside for a moment and you'd have ticks crawling up your legs. Like. The amount of ticks my parents had. And then like I forced them to get chickens because I was like, I'm not coming here if like your yard's going to be infested with ticks. And um literally since they got the chickens, I've nobody has found a single tick on them. <laughs> Ooh. nice yeah. good good reason to get chickens Yeah, absolutely. i don't think my chickens will be old enough yet for when ticks start exploding around here Ah, uh, I mean like. Probably not. I will say like younger chickens, definitely like they're not as adventurous with what they eat, but I, it's also dependent on like where they're raised. Like the ones that I tend to raise like outside, like when it's spring and summer, like they are more of those like like wild birds chickens. Yeah. Like <laughs> versus the ones yeah that like I currently have, I have 14 chicks in my mudroom right now. Like they're not as adventurous with their eating because they grow up on like feed and stuff like that. And so as soon as it warms up enough, I do want to put them outside so that they can learn how to like start picking at the ground. <laughs> mm. but yeah anyway, chicken that's talk. a whole other op episode we could talk about <laughs> is chickens <laughs> <laughs> I could talk forever about chickens. They are amazing. <laughs> we could learn a lot from chickens, I think. <laughs> like 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning that their ability to heal is amazing. Like, it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to Babesia. So uh, treatment, there are specific like treatments for Babesia mm -hmm. specifically. There's only two that are commonly in use right now. The only one I'm familiar with is a midocarb diproponate. Mm. I call it a midocarb. Sure. The first you call one, it what? A midocarb. Midocarb. All right. Okay. Yeah. Have you not used that before? No. 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 Uh, well, I guess you. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> you probably no. Haven't. We don't have. <laughs> we don't have a lot of ticks around here, so the answer to that is no. I have and not used it. <laughs> the second one is diminazine acetate at act. Asturate. Asturate. Oh. Yeah. I'm familiar with aminocarb. And then the rest of it truly, so that those two drugs are used to treat the actual Babesia, right? To actually remove the parasite and get rid of it. But mm. the rest of the treatment is really going to involve A, prevention, B, supportive treatment. Mm. So yeah. depending again on the pet's clinical signs and like where they are in the disease process, it could include things from like corticosteroids, anti-inflammatory drugs, fluid therapy, blood transfusions, coagulation therapy, right? Like, so yeah. treatment really can also greatly vary, but when it comes to treating the Babesia itself, those are going to be the Babesia sides that we're going to be looking at. Mm. And then prevention is going to really be reliant on, it says vaccination. I think that's more for like cattle and livestock, but yeah, uh, I was like, <laughs> I've never heard of a Babesia vaccine for dogs and cats. That's funny. I also really love that it says use resistant breeds. I'm like, Again, what? More geared towards, yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, what? Let's what not that? shame oh, the greyhounds into like not being adoptable. Oh, <laughs> the greyhounds and the terriers were like, nope, you're not a resistant breed. Although to be fair, like if you live in an area that is endemic to it, I mean, that could be part of your what breed am I going to pick? Cause you know, sometimes you think about those things. Well, and then you got to think though too, is like, if my area is filled with greyhounds that all have Babesia, like that's probably why, <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like the uh, honestly, I get, feel like it's a short hair thing. It's probably right? a short hair thing. And it's because probably the also easier to latch on. I don't and know. it's probably also like the lifestyle that greyhounds used yeah. to have. <laughs> yeah. 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 So not that they were like running through woods, but they definitely weren't probably getting the care and stuff that they needed. So anyway, that is pretty much the gist of Babesia. The main thing really is to communicate with clients about proper tick protection mm -hmm. and tick prevention. Utilize chickens if they have the ability to help keep the tick population down a little bit. Just yeah. speaking from experience, it works. And then really just ensuring to like not really... Like you don't ever want to negate some of those waxing and waning signs. Cause like I a hundred percent admit I do that. My dogs will go through these periods where I'm like, oh, you seem a little off today, but then they're fine the next day. Right. And like, I think all of us do that. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, it must not be serious. You're but just fine. don't discount it from the history. So like if a pet yeah. does come in pretty sick, like don't discount those moments and tell clients to not discount those moments. Hey, any moments that you can think of. Where like, you know, if your dog had a tick bite and then a month later was acting lethargic and didn't really want to eat for a day or two, like don't discount that information. Yeah. Although I don't know if people always know about. Oh, the they definitely bites, don't. 100%. Right. 
100%. Yeah, like they just like get bit and then fall off and an owner may never see it. Yeah. 100%. Especially like for dogs who live outdoors and like just don't get a lot yeah. of that like human interaction and stuff. Like there are working dogs, right? That like mm. that's their job, right? So, but and like yeah. they might not get a good rub down every day. So, it's right. Like, right. They're like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. So don't discount it, but don't judge it. And that's, that's my Babesia talk. Nice. Nice. That's all I got. Do you have anything else? No, I am Babesia. Babesia illiterate. (laughs) That is not my tick-borne disease. Not my thing. Right. I just I googled it because I because I do that sometimes. Right. I I think it's really funny because like one of the things that says Babesia, also known as Nutalia. So it's like it. So Babesia apparently is also similar to Nutella. So Hmm. spelled a little different, but. I'm not, please don't say, please don't get me in trouble with Ferrero. I, that's not what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, goodness. On that note, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening and making a commitment so you're learning. And we will chat with you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.